Looking for your next TV show or movie to binge? Well, buckle up, grab the remote, and settle into your couch for this special edition of Crossing the Streams. We're here to help you tune in and get the most out of those 50 monthly streaming channels you're currently paying for. So without any further ado, here's your host of Crossing the Streams, Jeff Dwoskin. Hey everyone, it's Jeff Jawaskin. Great to be here. Thanks for joining me for this amazing bonus episode where we dive deep into some amazing segments from our live show, Crossing the Streams, where you ask and we answer the universal question, what should I be watching on TV next? I just finished blah, blah, blah. Now I need to watch something else. Well, you've come to the right place. Crossing the Streams is a live show that I do with a bunch of my buddies every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time Live. You can join us live for an hour of goodness on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can comment along with us. Or if you don't have time for that type of commitment, you can just sit and wait for one of these bonus episodes to just to feed it right into your ears. You don't have to get up or nothing. We also have a YouTube channel. Search The Jeff Dewaskin Show for that. And there's over 70 hours of Crossing the Streams full episodes waiting for you. Today, we got an amazing collection of shows to discuss. We're talking Columbo with our guest, Mike White, who is the host of the long-running The Projection Booth podcast and also his brand new podcast, The Shabby Detective, which covers, guess what? Columbo. So he's going to talk about Columbo. You're going to love that. Brian Green friend to the show, is going to discuss Kath and Kim, and I'm going to take us through the Super Bob Einstein movie. Three great shows for you coming up. Let's kick it off with Kath and Kim. Take it away, Brian Green of the Commercial Break podcast. And let's discuss Kath and Kim. <laughs> this Kath is and Kim. Kath and Kim, nice. Brian. Take it away. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm I'm on this kick on Netflix or on on really all the platforms that I've been watching. I get very little time to watch TV with two very young children, a podcast and a, and a business. But one of the things that I do enjoy doing late at night when I have time to myself in my corner of the bed is I like watching situational comedies with accents. So British accents, Australian accents. I don't know why I'm on this kick, but I've been on it for about a year and I'm going through the list. So man down. The IT crowd is okay. It's not really my favorite, but you know, uh, the Dairy Girls, people people just do nothing. I don't know if you've seen this one, but Kath and Kim is the latest one that I'm watching. It's got about five seasons. It's got no stars that you would ever recognize because they're all stars in Australia. So if they've done something, if they've done something notable, then I don't know about it because I don't live in Australia. But the show to me, the humor is dry, which is it's dry, but then they use they use their uh, it's they use physical comedy to add in laughs like splashes and laughs. And they also have their own language that they start to develop over the five seasons. So the first season, you know, it's they're still, you know, it's an ensemble trying to, you know, get their sea legs under them. But by episode by season number three, they're hitting on all cylinders, these characters. And basically what it is, is it's mom living with her then you know, boyfriend or soon to be fiance. And then the adult daughter who breaks up with her husband moves into the house with mom. And it's kind of the back and forth between Kath and Kim, the mom and the daughter that really drives the conversation. But then the husband, the the husband of the, the daughter who moved in and the soon to be husband of Kath, who lives in the house, the mother also come into play here. And they're just all brilliant comic actors and actresses. And I think it's 
I think it's just a brilliant show. I really do. I think it's uh, I think it's so funny, and I really enjoy watching it. I don't know what else to say. It's a great, it's a great show. Like a lot of the British comedies are. They're smart. So they're well done. Are these uh, comedy? Are these half hour shows or uh, thirty minute how, shows? Thirty minute shows. Thirty minute shows. Five seasons. A couple of specials that are not worth watching. They're absolute trash. But as a lot of the special, you know, the after series ends specials are, they try to turn them into two hour movies with actual plot lines, and they turn into just you know rubbery shit after fifteen minutes, and they go back to hitting the same old notes they hit. You know, season number three. You know, Kath makes. You know, uh, one of the running gags is the outfits that they wear. So Kath wears workout clothes in almost every show, and the workout clothes that she wears are absolutely. Ridiculous ridiculous but to the point of just being hilarious and her husband her fiance boyfriend at the beginning of the show he wears 70s leisure outfits and so the way it's just too funny they also have a they also have a fifth character in the ensemble and that is a rotund young lady and i wish i could remember her, her name the actual actress's name uh majda something but she plays this kind of clumsy uh friend of the group of the daughter who's also friends with the mother and she's always she's she's got to weigh 280 pounds and she's always playing some kind of sport she's into sports and with every episode comes a new injury so she'll stick a pencil through her hand she'll 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 come in with like you know shards of glass in her hair or something i don't know why this is so funny to me but it's it's just so funny i don't know if anybody else get has that kind of anything with an accent that is is dry yeah. and comedic ends up being funny but I'm in college in college i really thought i'd end up marrying someone with an accent i didn't but i just i, lo- I loved accents true but i'll tell you yeah, the interesting thing about what if you watch there's a great way to watch tv when there's accents and i'm talking like the crown or anything like that and closed caption You've said this before, Jeff. Is the greatest thing ever to have on while you're watching it because it even helps you kind of tune into like the what the music is intended for and and all that kind of stuff and things that you wouldn't necessarily know because it comes from the script that it would you never really maybe catch if you're just kind of mostly watching. But it helps with accents. It helps with accents. One of the best things about the Apple TV is the ability to just hold the microphone and go. Subtitles on, subtitles off, just to change on the fly. We did that with Game of Thrones when my wife watched the entire series in 10 days. uh, And it was a huge help. You just helped me, Howard. I didn't know you. I have Apple TV. I didn't even know you could do that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's so it's a I, huge up. The other thing we do is, uh, you know, if we're watching, uh, if we're watching like in bed and we don't want the volume up as loud and the TV is a little further away, it helps so that you can keep the volume down a little bit, still hear it. It right. fills in the blanks for you. The uh, wife is Venezuelan, so she and and you know she's a very good English speaker. Like it's perfect English, right? And but sh- but her Spanish is her native language, and so when we get into British television shows with British accents or Australian accents or really any kind of accent, she loses it. Like she can't get English with an accent. Is you know like anybody who speaks a second language, you throw in a twist, and all of a sudden it's it can be difficult. So we started watching some of these situational comedies about four years ago at night and I would turn on the subtitles for her so that she or when she was watching a Spanish show so I could read the Spanish you know I could read it instead of hearing it because I was just learning and I have never turned the subtitles off yet I watch everything with subtitles I think life is better with subtitles when you're mad at your wife do you just talk with a little accent so she can't understand you (laughs) all right that was Brian Green and Kath and Kim 
plus a bonus conversation about the beauty of using closed caption while watching TV at home. I am a huge advocate. Once you go closed captions, you don't go back. All right. Our next show is presented by Mike White, host of the Shabby Detective podcast and the Projection Booth podcast. Knocks it out of the park with his discussion of Columbo. Take it away, Mike. All right, we got, we're going to turn it over to Mike White, who's going to take us through one of the greatest shows ever. Oh, Columbo. Yeah. I hear about this. Oh, and, uh, yeah. Jeff joked earlier that I was an extra on the set of Columbo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said you watched the first run. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you I said have... you played Columbo's fathers, I think is what exactly. Said. <laughs> yeah, the only relative that they ever showed. <laughs> was that true? <laughs> no. Okay, <well. laughs> Along with doing the projection booth, because, you know, what else are you going to do? I also uh, have started a new podcast venture, which is called The Shabby Detective, yet another Columbo podcast, because there are a lot of them out there. I think we're like number six or seven at least, but trying to do a little bit of a different thing. It's that typical thing where you've got the person who's watched every episode, and then you've got the guy who hasn't seen any of them. So that's my buddy, Chris, and I'm taking him by the hand. It's very romantic and taking him through the entire run of Columbo. We are only up to the third episode we just recorded about the uh one it was it was directed by this kid it felt like he was going places um but i don't think he ever did anything else um steven spielberg i think oh that i've heard of him yeah oh you've heard of that guy okay i thought he was a little too obscure he only does remakes i think he just did west yeah oh yeah you're right yeah Yeah. i think he's living in a carriage house in austin texas Yeah, we started off actually by talking about um, crime and punishment because the inspector in that was very much an inspiration for Lincoln Levinson, the two guys who put together Columbo. People thought we were crazy. Why are you starting a Columbo podcast and talking about crime and punishment? But I think it was a really good foundation. And then we since have talked about the first pilot, which was really more of a TV movie that they were kind of using as a, a pilot. And then the proper pilot, which... God, that was the first pilot I want to say was 68. The second pilot was 70. I want to say it was early 71. And then the first episode was late 71. They're trying to really make sure that they could get Peter Falk on this. And our first guest on the uh, podcast, David Coning, wrote a book about uh, about the shooting of Columbo. And he really dug up a lot of great stories, especially about just how cantankerous and what a perfectionist Peter Falk was and that he did not want to do a TV show because he had done another one previously that failed after a season, 22 episodes. And he's just like, I don't want to do that ever again. So that's why when the wheel came up, you know, with your Banachek's and McLeod's and McMillan's <laughs> and wives and those things, it was like, okay, Peter, you can do six episodes, not 22 episodes. He was finally on board. Well, I didn't know that. So that's why we only got a little bit of Columbo every season. Okay. And that's also why at the end of almost every single season, it's like, well, maybe I won't be back. Because he would just always like try to get more money in between the seasons and just (laughs) fight and argue about that. It was always pulling teeth (laughs) trying to get Peter back into the role. But he was so great at it. And that's the thing is now taking somebody who's never seen Columbo and saying, this is what what I love and why I love it. And 
hearing my partner in this just like, oh my God, this is fantastic. It's just been such a joy to me to bring Columbo into somebody else's life. That's awesome. All right. So that explains why there was 13 seasons, but only 68 episodes. Right, right. Were they, were they, I can't remember, were they an hour or were they an hour and a half? They went from, without commercials, you had a lot of 78, 76 minute episodes. And then they actually did some, and this is so backwards, where it's like, you know, we're going to be going up against this show. So we really need a two hour episode instead mm. of an hour and a half. Mm. And they would add to these episodes, mm. which was nuts. So like yeah. the... One with Cassavetes, um, I think that's, oh, what is that? That's not a toot in, I think that is a toot in black. Nick um, or John? Uh, John, yeah. Okay. They tacked on another, like without commercials, like another 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> and it's so much of Peter Falk and Cassavetes, who had obviously worked together a ton, like with Cassavetes' own films, as well as Mikey and Nikki. And they just said, okay, guys, improvise. And that's where you get a lot of the greatest moments in that episode is just Cassavetes and Falk going at it, improving and coming up with their lines on the spot. It's just amazing. So they were that strategic with the schedule going, knowing yeah. that they were going to be up against other things. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, we're going up against a James Bond film, you know, the, uh, the man with the golden gun. We really need something to pop here, fellas. <laughs> so, and they, and they, they were on two different networks. It was on two different yeah. networks. The original series was all, I want to say, NBC, Universal. And then uh, when they came back in the, what was that, the late 80s, early 90s, I think it ran all the way up to 2003. Oh, that was all ABC crazy. stuff. Yeah. yeah 89 hmm. to 2003, they did. Uh, say, I'm just reading from uh, the wiki. Wow. wiki. I didn't yeah. know it was on that long. I didn't either. 2003, yeah. huh? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, May 9th of 2003. Yeah. And those those ABC episodes, you know, didn't, your didn't mileage they, may vary. Didn't they say, have some awful, something like a Mrs. Columbo? Oh, some yeah. Piece yeah. Of direct, <laughs> Kate McGrew or something? Who was that? That was two seasons. You're absolutely right. Kate uh, McGrew. Oh. And it started out as Mrs. Columbo, and then it changed to, oh, God, what was it? It was like Kate Columbo. There was a, a third title, and then it ended up as Kate Loves a Mystery was the name of the show. Uh, you talk, talk about wringing it out, you know? It's like, just oh, yeah. stop already. You're embarrassing yourselves. Well, that, oh, that's what they did in the 70s and stuff. Everything did. was a spinoff. And all. Oh, but, yeah. but I think that one, I think the Mrs. Columbo was like in the 90s, wasn't it? No, it was like 79, it was. I want to okay. say. All right. Yeah. I, I I missed the boat on that. Because she wound up being a captain of one of my favorite TV shows, Voyager. Yeah. But that's right. And she's in Orange is the New Black. Oh, that's right. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. The, yeah she yeah. was great in that. Yeah. yeah. So, Mike, what, what do you think makes a show so endearing after decades? I mean, it's been off the air for decades, but I mean, it's been around for 50 years. Right. I think... Well, one thing I think is the inverted mystery style really captures people's interests. This whole idea of seeing the murder happen and then Columbo walking in the door mm, mm. and immediately focusing in on those details that are going to trip that person up. Usually mm. a man, but sometimes a woman. And just being so freaking smart and <laughs> always 
like three, four, five steps ahead of the other person, but pretending that he is a complete schlub <laughs> and you know, just like, Oh, there's just this one little thing that's right. bothering me. Oh, but it's not me. It's my captain. You know, just all yeah. that stuff that he's doing. I just love that. And it's so captivating. I think Falk's performance is 95% of it. And then the other is that inverted mystery style. And you're just like, okay, when's he going to do it? When's he going to close that trap? What's it going to take to yeah. get this person to either confess or just have ironclad proof to say, you know, you made the big mistake. You, 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 that wine got up to 106 <laughs> degrees and th that's the wine that was served tonight at dinner. And that's yeah. how we know that your brother was in that cellar and you, and the power went out while you were over in France. <laughs> Fuck is one of my favorites. Did you ever see uh, Wings of Desire? Oh God, yeah, that was so where, good. Where he played himself. Yeah, that is such a great movie. I love yeah. that. Everybody recognizes him as Columbo. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah and, and hearing his thoughts, I love. That's yeah. one of the things I love about Wings of Desire is just hearing yeah. the thoughts and him when he's drawing and he's just like, yeah. I don't know if I can, you know, I'm not a very good artist. You know, I love that man's hat. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. It's one of my favorite movies. It's so good. Yeah. Not a big uh, city of angels fan. The remake. I love city of angels as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're we're nice. sort of going off on a tangent here, but yeah, I love city of angels. Uh, one of uh, Nick Cage's best movies, I think. And, yeah. and one in which, um, why can I never remember her name? Meg Ryan. Uh, Meg Ryan isn't insufferable. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. she's, 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 I can watch her in this. Uh, yeah. But uh, we're kind of going off here. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> the views of Bob Phillips on Meg Ryan do not reflect those of crossing the street. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, I just thought, uh, you know, Nora Ephron uh, was uh, feeding her lines in a couple of movies and it was just so awful. I couldn't, mm. listen. I, le I literally left the theater in uh, Who's Got Mail. Her oh adorable. God, that sucks. I had I couldn't stand oh. it anymore. The dialogue was so. Is that the bookstore trickling. one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which was, was a awful. remake yeah. of uh, Shop Around the Corner. Yeah. And right. Shop oh. Around the Corner. So when, when, good. When she's sitting there and she's talking to Tom Hanks, who she doesn't know she's talking to, and right. she's saying, "Oh, my mother. Whenever I would feel upset, she would make me a cup of hot cocoa." I'm like, I need to vomit. I need to leave. I I, I ran from the theater. I never went back. That's one of those movies that uh, I remember watching with my wife. Uh, she made me. No, I'm just kidding. And, uh, <laughs> but like that has a lot of Godfather references in it. This is a real yeah, thing. It does. But like Godfather is one of those movies you have to watch because if you don't, you miss so much. Even like Stuart Little. Like oh, every God. movie references the guy. <laughs> right. like That's true. Just, yeah. so that one that one does a lot uh, about going to the mattresses and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> all right. Well, that was a great review, Mike. Yeah, it really was. Thank you. Thank right. you. First time on the show. Knocked it out of the park. Boom. Boom. Good job. All right. Mike White and Columbo. That was from episode 66, by the way. Kath and Kim was from episode 23. And from episode 56, we're going to round it off with the Super Bob Einstein movie, led by yours truly. Take it away, me. The Super Bob Einstein yes. movie. Growing up, I was a big fan of Bob Einstein, and he was—he is Super Dave Osborne. Most people know, a lot of people know him as Super Dave Osborne, which is a character that he created, I think, originally on the Bizarre Show on Showtime. 
which uh, he helped create, which actually was the first show ever on one series, of yeah, mm-hmm. series ever created for a paid uh, channel. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Oh, Bob Einstein is a hilarious comedian, but just to give you an idea what this movie is, the Super Bob Einstein movie. Bob Einstein died in 2019, 76 years old, of cancer. This movie is like, I would say, a love letter to him from his friends, just kind of uh, honoring him. It's it's a tribute. It's if you died, this is what you would want everyone you know to get together and put together in one way or another. Like, this is what that is. It's a documentary eulogy. It really it's is. Not, yeah, but it's not sad. It's not about nope. his life getting cut short. It's not about any of those things. It's just, it's people remembering him and telling stories. And he's in it a lot too from footage. And he's great. It was just great. He was, uh, so <laughs> it, it's really interesting. His entire style, which I love, is very deadpan. He's, he's mm. a deadpan guy who never... <laughs> never broke and he would just maintain the character the entire time which was the beauty and the hilarity of it sarah silverman kind of described it as most people have a straight man and a um uh what's the opposite of a straight man uh you know yeah uh, he was his own straight man to bounce jokes off of yeah he was was his own straight man but he was two straight men and usually it's just one (laughs) so the funny there's so many funny stories and things that kind of go into this 90 minutes. And uh, John Biner is in it. He was the star of Bazaar with him and he talks. And Larry David, Susie Essman, Jeff Garland, Jimmy Kimmel, Steve Martin, Sarah Silverman, David Letterman, just to name a few. You know, these people are just raving about him and talking about how funny he is. Even if you don't know who Bob Einstein is, and likely if you started to watch it, you'd be like, oh, I know who that is. It's worth it to watch it because you'll definitely go, oh, either I need to rewatch a lot of this stuff or I need to discover a lot of this stuff. He's also more most recently known as Marty Funkhauser on Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I'll let Howard talk a little bit about. But he has yeah. been on that for seasons four through nine. But here's a guy that just went on a show, did a bit, like a deadpan bit. I think it was Tommy Smothers that was watching. One of the Tommy Smothers is watching, finds it to be the most hilarious thing ever, hires him to write for the Smothers Brothers. He becomes, uh, well, as I think first it was the Glenn Campbell show, which became the Smothers Brothers show. And then he becomes Steve Martin's writing partner. Like for years, they were inseparable. Steve Martin talks about it. But I mean, he was part of this Rob Reiner crew. That writer's room was crazy. Insane writer's room. Uh, Carl Gottlieb, who... Uh, actually was on my podcast, but went on to uh, write The Jerk with Steve Martin and the screenwriter for Jaws. And But I mean, there's just so much hilarity in this room. It's just insane. So I, I, I'm, I'm just going to tell one story from the thing because I think it was it's one of the, to me, I think it's so funny and I think it's indicative. So I'm not going to tell it well. So you'll go watch the movie after and you'll hear him do it. And it's much better. But Jimmy Kimmel's telling the story where He's uh, uh, Bob Einstein is on the the man show with Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel. And Bob Einstein's father was a very famous comedian of his time. And actually he was, he was known and he had this character uh, park, the Arcus. I don't know if I said it right, but it was a character that he did, which kind of, I think molded Bob Einstein 
who later, you know, became very synonymous with Super Dave Osborne, like creating a character where you could be you, but you're this character, a different person. So his father was doing a roast of Lucy and Desi Arnaz and died like right after, like dropped dead right after it. And so you had to be pretty big to be at that, the Lucy Arnaz thing. So he dies right after. So flash forward, Bob Einstein's on the man show and they're doing this uh, shots. They're doing, they're all doing these shots. They're playing some kind of game. And Adam Carolla goes, well, at least your father died doing something he loved. <laughs> Bob Einstein goes, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And then Adam Carolla tries to, tries to back out of it. And he goes, that is the stupidest. What is your, and he's Bob Einstein says, Adam, what does your father love to do? He goes, what is your father? He loves to play the trumpet. And Bob Einstein says, well, you know what? I hope he's playing the trumpet, swallows on it, chokes to death, (laughs) falls over and dies. People can say he died doing what he loved. (laughs) You know, it's like something like that. I I didn't do it as well. But like, um, but it was just, but this is, but this is all straight, right? He tells it, you know, it's, his tone is very he's not like he's telling a joke it's like he's like he's like a serious sort of anger and it's like it's so funny but everything he did was like that super dave osborne is the funniest super dave osborne for people don't know he's like uh he's an accident prone evil knievel character he never which is really what he was based off of right right. (laughs) and he never could get yeah there was oh they always went horribly wrong always <laughs> went horribly wrong but it was so funny i mean Hilarious. He yeah always funny. and it was it's physical humor like you wouldn't believe physical humor and it never gets old i can watch the same clips over and over again and it's so funny because he plays it so straight yeah every, every I, time straight i right had down. I, I was a huge fan of bizarre and i remember the super dave osborne show and i forgot how funny like i remembered it being funny but i remember i forgot how detailed funny those clips were the setup where like they go through the walk through the entire setup like they would with the evil Knievel, like showing you this thing is going to have five thousand pounds of torque and like Mm. setting it all up and you know it's gonna go wrong (laughs) and you can (laughs) see what's coming like there's the one where he's in the yo-yo like right. the, the huge yo-yo. You're like, you know something's going to happen. And the rope snaps. He rolls down a hill onto a highway or into a ravine. Like my wife had never seen some of this. She was watching with me and she was cracking up. She was laughing her ass up. Like the one where he's like, it's like a hammer or something. And it just smashes into the ground in front of him. But then the other part that made it hysterical was hearing him go, oh, no. Like as it's about to happen. And then the announcer coming over going, Super Dave. He's like, you're standing on my nuts, you putz. Like yeah, it's yeah. just, just <laughs> the deadpan after the stunt had gone absolutely wrong. It was so funny. And Marty Funkhauser was such a great character. I, um, there were just the, the one they talk about was uh, the famous one where uh, he with Jerry Seinfeld where he meets uh, Larry introduces him to Jerry Seinfeld and he does, uh, I won't do the joke, but it's an, a, a, a hysterical off color joke. And I didn't realize until they talked Larry and Jerry talk about it. That was not scripted. He literally goes and says, uh, do you want to hear a joke? And Jerry's like, eh. and Larry's like, no. And he's like, I have to tell you a joke. That was unscripted. 
and he just launched into it and it was hysterical. And then the other, the other couple of scenes, they show a couple of things of Marty Funkhauser is uh, where Larry stole the flowers from the uh, roadside memorial. And then the one that I love, which might be my all time favorite Curb Your Enthusiasm episode was from Palestinian Chicken, where he becomes super orthodox and he won't take off the yarmulke and Larry chases him off and all the the people in the Palestinian restaurant cheer Larry on. <laughs> I've uh, seen he, that one. Yeah, it's good. The delivery was so good, just so good, and uh, and just so funny, just uh, hysterical. They showed um, he had done some of those routines more than once. Like they showed in the Kimmel, the episode they did for Kimmel, where they set up a drive-through restaurant, and then they had a car drive straight through the drive-through. They that. did that exact scene exactly that way per his instruction 25 years prior on the super dave show or something like it was exactly the same they showed footage of it and uh it just brilliant it didn't matter oh. nobody cared so brilliant. and here's the beauty of it it's on hbo max it's called the super bob einstein movie it's only like 90 minutes long it's a perfect amount there's no no fluff it's just it's all really really great Really, really great clips. Lots of funny stuff. So I definitely highly recommend. I am going to watch that tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good um, pick me up laughter one. Yeah. The Super Bob Einstein movie, everyone. And thanks to Howard Rosner for really carrying half the weight on that review with me, actually. So definitely check that out. Super Bob Einstein movie, Kath and Kim Columbo. That is a lot of homework for you, don't you think? Three great binge-watching suggestions now lay at your fingertips. So go grab your favorite spot on the couch, secure the remote, cross your own streams, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Crossing the Streams. Visit us on YouTube for full episodes and catch us live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now turn this off and go watch some TV. And don't forget to tell your family you'll be busy for a while.